Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. Me, I'm Derek. And I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> it's not true. I'm not. I mean, I could be. You'd never know. Anyhow, we are knee deep into the fuckery here on the cartel. I'm loving every minute of this. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Uh, leave me a review of Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, uh, CastBox, you know, wherever. Just let me know where you left it at. And uh, Patreon.com slash Single Simulcast. And buy me a coffee slash SSCast. With no further ado, I bring these stories to you. Chapter 18. Ain't shit changed. You know the deal. Stop playing yourself. Me or more. Mia Moore's hands shook uncontrollably as she chopped the peppers and onions on the cutting board. She took a deep breath. Why am I so fucking nervous? She questioned silently as she worked swiftly, following the recipe book to a T, trying to complete the meal she was preparing for Carter before he arrived at her house. Her eyes darted towards the clock. She didn't have much time. She needed to be dressed and finished before he knocked on her door. She stuffed the smoked salmon with the lobster, portobello, and spiced bacon and then put it into the oven. She prepared a special lemon sauce and drilled over the top of it once she was done baking. Wait. So this is the same lady who he had to hire chefs for. So, um, she did this? All of this. By herself, like that lady Kathy or Katie or Karen or whatever her name was didn't do none of this. She didn't buy none of this from the store already made. So you're telling me she smoked the salmon? I mean, I'm not sounding bougie as a chef saying she smoked the salmon and made the uh, lobster and portobello mixture. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that she... Didn't kill the lobster on her own and then cook it and then shell it and then take out the meat and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that she didn't forget to scrape the gills out the portobello. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, like, six chapters ago, we were talking about how she liked to make pancakes and that was it. And how she had to go out to the store and buy, or to the restaurant and buy food in front like it was hers. That's all I'm saying. Like, we, we progressed pretty quickly here. I mean, I know reading a recipe book can change your life. I know this. But damn, she prepared a special lemon sauce that drizzled over the top of it. Like, internet wasn't popping like that back in 2008, was it? Or she could just look up websites and food network and shit like that. I don't know. I'm going to make this, though. That's, <laughs> well, I already made the smoked salmon, with, but I make mine with the crab and brie stuffing. Yeah, holla at me. Me and Moore didn't know how she had gotten so deeply involved with Carter, but she was ready for it all to end while she's making this big-ass meal. She better poison it. Just poison it. You want to kill the nigga? Poison the food. I mean, take out his whole family. Say, hey, I'd like to cook for your family. It's the best way for them to get to know me. Make a banging ass spread and then poison it. I don't know. 
I, I guess I just think differently. No, I don't want to say that because the feds will be listening and be like, he does think differently and then be knocking on my door. <sighs> she wasn't acting like herself. And the pressure that her girls were putting on her was becoming overwhelming. I'm laughing because the pressure her girls are putting on her is to kill him. <laughs> that is not a healthy relationship. She knew that she had to make a move and do it quickly. But everything was so uncertain now. Mia Moore's head was spinning. Carter had thrown shit in the game by going hard at Mati. The entire Haitian operation had been disabled. And Mati, a man who she thought was untouchable, was now on the run for his life. She was frustrated and confused all at the same time. She felt like a traitor. She wanted to kill Mecca for bringing the Grim Reaper to her sister's door, but there were too many doubts. See, here's the thing. I had to really stop and look at that because they didn't say traitor like Benedict Arnold. They said traitor like a stock trader, like she's going to put something up in exchange for Mecca. And so I was looking at it. I had to read the rest of the, the paragraph to see if that shit made sense. And you know what? It didn't. T-R-A-I-T-O-R, traitor. I'm just saying that because, you know, they got editors for this shit. She felt like a traitor. She wanted to kill Mecca for bringing the Grim Reaper to her sister's door. But there were too many doubts. Too many variables have been added to the equation. An eye for an eye didn't seem as simple as it did before she met Carter. He was making her weak in the knees. She could hardly speak. She lost all control and something took over her in a daze. It was so amazing. It's not a phase. She wanted him to stay with her. By her side, she could always ride. His love was so complete. It knocked her right off of her feet. These are bars. Can't believe how his loving made me more weak. My wife is sighing in the background. That means this is working. Um, with three little words, he changed who she was. Oh, when he said, I love you to her, she was no longer mad. Like now she's conflicted. Okay. Okay. Let's just keep writing the women this way. All right, cool. Her sister? Nah, fuck that. He said he loved me. Um, okay. Ding dong. The ringing of the doorbell startled her. He can't be here yet. It's only 8 o'clock. He's not supposed to be here until 9. She quickly went to the mirror that was hanging near her entryway and scanned herself. She wasn't even dressed. Carter had never seen her dress so casually. She wore a wife beater with baggy sweatpants and her hair was pulled up in a raggedy ponytail. She tried to run her French tips through her hair to make herself look a little decent, but that was useless. She sighed deeply and then opened the door slightly. What are you doing here so early? I'm not even dressed yet, Carter. You look fine, he replied as he leaned down to kiss her on her forehead. You don't have to dress all up. We're staying in anyway. This is your house, so be comfortable. Comfortable is not the same as tore down, she joked as she went back to the mirror. Carter walked up behind her and kissed the nape of her neck as he slid his strong arms around her waist. He looked at their reflection in the mirror. You're beautiful, Ma. Stop tripping. She smiled. Carter was considerate and always made her feel like she was worth more than she was. Because in actuality, she felt like she wasn't shit. Since when? She was the shit like she's told this nigga. I got plenty of niggas lined up to be with me. A million of them want to get you out the way. When did she start feeling like she wasn't shit? When the nigga said he loved her? Come on, man. Come on now. He was caring, and she wasn't. If she, wa if she was, there would be no way that she could have put thallium sulfate in his dinner. She had made sure to put the odorless, tasteless powder in the lemon sauce she planned on drizzling over his lobster. She was done bullshitting with the cartel. She concluded that the timing would never be right for her to get at them, so tonight was just as good as any. I love that we on the same page. We here. Kill that nigga. Unfortunately for Carter, he'd be the first to go. She really needed to kill him first because then she wouldn't have him around all the time, making it difficult for her to stay focused. Are you hungry? She asked sweetly as she pulled out one of her dining room chairs and motioned for him to have a seat. I don't know. Is the food safe to eat? He asked. 
His statement threw her off slightly. Does he know? What? She asked, her eyes penetrating his. I mean, I know you ain't the world's best chef. A smile appeared on his face. Mia Moore gave him a playful left jab to the chest. You ain't funny, nigga, she said, breathing a sigh of relief. Relax. He doesn't know anything is up. Stop acting so damn guilty. Her silent demands caused her nerves to settle some. And she went to the oven and pulled out the lobster, then fixed two plates of food. Her heart began to beat so loudly in her ears that she was sure that even Carter could hear it as she placed his dinner in front of him. She lit the candles on the table, poured them both a glass of wine, and then grabbed the lemon sauce. She poured it all over Carter's lobster and then took a seat. This looks good, Ma. Thank you for cooking for me. I know you said you didn't like to cook, and I appreciate you going through all this trouble. Mia Moore smiled and watched him intently as he took a sip out of his wine goblet. I want to talk to you about something important, Carter stated. He didn't wait for Mia Moore to respond. I'm into you, Mia Moore, but there are some things that you don't know about me or about my family. I know all I need to know about your family. Mia Moore tried to conceal her hatred behind her eyes. Tomorrow's not promising me right now, Ma. My family's at war with some very dangerous people, and I don't ever want to put you in jeopardy. My father and little brother have already been murdered behind this beef. That's what you think. I'm willing to accept the fact that I could be next, but I would never forgive myself if something happened to you because of me. It's not safe for me to be with you, and believe me, it's so hard for me to say this to you, but right now is not a good time for this, me anymore. I can't bring you into my world right now. I would kill a nigga if he ever tried to hurt you. I love you, Ma, but I'm no good for you. I have to let you go in order to keep you safe. Mia Moore couldn't stop the tears from forming in her eyes. It was like his words were medicine to her ailing heart. Her conscience immediately began to turn on her. How could she hurt a man who cared so much about her? She was more than capable of taking care of herself. Carter didn't know it, but she was the safest bitch in the city because she would pop a nigga without regret for running up. But just the simple fact that he wanted to take the burden off her shoulders and protect her himself touched her. I mean, if if she's such a, you know, if she's the safest bitch and she would pop a nigga without regret, kill this nigga without regret. Because he, that was the plan. I, I'm just saying. Carter picked up his fork and brought it to his mouth. All she had to do was let him eat the food. I can't. Mia Moore thought painfully. She stood and swept all the food off the table in one dramatic motion. <laughs> she screamed in agony as she picked up a glass and threw it at the wall in frustration. The glass shattered into tiny pieces reminding her of how her heart felt the day that she had held her dead sister in her arms. Whoa! Ma, what the fuck you doing, yo? Carter moved towards her to restrain her temper tantrum. I can't do this. She shook her head from side to side. The emotional levees in her gave way, and tears built in her eyes. Me and more, calm down, Carter said as he took her into his arms. I can't do it, she cried as she breathed deeply, trying to contain herself. Mia Moore wanted to get back at the cartel for taking her sister away. But how could she, when her heart and her mind were pulling her in two different directions? Why in the fuck did he have to tell me he loved me? Why did he have to make it so real? So you've been saying you loved him. Or that you were feeling him, that he had you open, all these other things that are literally synonyms for either I'm in love or I'm sprung. But him saying it to you made it all different? So if your son that you would have in the future, or your daughter, or your cat, or your dog, never say that they love you, it makes, you, makes it easier for you to murder them? Even if you have feelings for them? I'm just trying to figure this out. 
Her brain felt like it was going to explode. She was playing mental chess with herself. She wanted Carter to be her opponent so desperately so she could follow the rules of the game and defeat him. She wanted to bag his queen, not be it. Ooh, them's bars. She yearned to kill his family, but her heart wouldn't let her, and she was beginning to quickly realize that her only opponent, the only person standing in the way of her revenge, was herself. Her heart was following a completely different set of rules, rules that were unfamiliar to her. Her heart was begging her to open up and allow herself to feel happiness with a man, to trust a man, to believe in a man, her man. Carter Jones. I'm a human. Derek. It's a lot right there. Sorry. The emotions that she felt for him were so foreign to me and more that they scared her and caused her to question her loyalty. In her world, hesitation never existed. There was no room for it. That was something that could get you murked in her profession. Murdering a nigga had always been simple. Some people were good at math. Others were good at sports. Many were good at singing or painting, but Mia Moore was good at death. <laughs> when she declared war, she brought it to a nigga's doorstep without fear, without doubt, but with swagger and expertise. Now her job seemed so complex and she didn't know what to do. Are we ever going to get back to the nigga whose dick they chopped off? Like ever? There's a dickless nigga running around Miami right now who saw their faces. Nothing's going to happen. If you cut my dick off, I'm back the next week. I mean, I need a week to heal. But once I've healed up, I'm at your door. He he saw their faces. They said names. They didn't say names. I I go up and down the streets knocking. Hello, miss. Nope, you ain't her. Hello, miss. I'm just... So oh, no, you ain't her. Me and Moore ain't from Miami, but she's got a very noticeable face. Yes, I know she ain't from there, but still. You chop my dick off. Me and my dick, I'm going to put my dick in, in an ice pack and just carry it along with me and be like, you remember this? How did I let him get this close? She asked herself. With her back to the wall, she used it for support and slid down until she felt the floor catch her. She pulled her knees into her chest, put her head down, and held herself as she cried. Carter hadn't expected her to take it this hard and was amazed at her reaction. He hated to see her in pain, but was oblivious to the real reason behind her outrage. She doesn't know what the fuck she's getting herself into, Carter thought, when in actuality, he was the one in unknown territory. He was dancing with the devil by allowing himself to love her. Carter picked her up and cradled her in his arms as she continued to cry. Shh. It's alright, Ma. I'm not going anywhere, he said. As soon as he spoke the words, he knew that he meant them. Dangerous or not, he couldn't stay away from me anymore. He had never felt a connection like the one he shared with a beautiful woman in his embrace. There was something about her. Something that was so forbidden, it made him want her even more. There's just something about you, baby, that makes me want to give it to you. That's a Michael Jackson lyric. Mia Moore knocked on Robin at Aries' door early the next day. She wore rockin' Republic denims with a Lila Rose top and a Christian Louboutin peep toe pumps. Everything on her body was designer and worth a lot more than most people's monthly rent. Yet she still felt worthless. Her usually Mac-designed face was as bare as her soul, and her hair was pulled up into a sophisticated bun. She tried to appear as if she was in control, but her red, puffy eyes revealed the truth and gave away the fact that she had cried herself to sleep in Carter's arms the night before. Aries opened the door. We need to talk, Mia Moore stated gravely without even offering a hello. Is Robin here? Yeah. I think she and she room. What's wrong? You crying? Aries asked in astonishment. Me and Moore stormed past Aries and took a seat on their love seat. She placed her Gucci clutch next to her. 
Her cell phone rang. It was Carter calling her. She knew that he was calling to make sure she was okay. He had stayed the night at her place the night before, but as soon as daylight crept through her curtains, she got up and rushed to see her friends. She sent him a voicemail and then looked up at Aries. I can't do this anymore, Aries. It's over. This entire plan is done. What? Aries shouted. What do you mean, over? Why? What happened? That nigga got up in her head. That's what happened. Robin suddenly emerged from her bedroom and leaned against the wall. Am I right, Mia Moore? That is why you want to quit, ain't it? I just can't do this anymore, Robin. I can't do Carter dirty like that. What you mean you can't do him like that? Oh, but you don't have a problem doing us dirty. You're not the one in his face every day, Robin. I'm fucking him. I know him and he don't deserve this. I won't make him pay for his family's mistakes. I don't want to see him hurt. When does it end? I kill him or somebody in his family, then they retaliate and kill another one of us. What happens after that, huh? It doesn't bring Anissa back. Mia Moore, he stole your sister from you. Don't even waste your breath, Aries. She had her mind made up who she was picking as soon as she walked through the door. We don't need her. We'll do it ourselves. Shut the fuck up, Robin. You don't know shit. It's over. Plain and fucking simple. Don't nothing move unless I say so. Ain't shit change. You know the deal, so stop playing yourself. And don't pretend that you all about the crew. You in this for the money. This has nothing to do with my sister. Carter's already gotten the Mati. Well, actually, Esty's got the Mati. Y'all gonna keep giving Carter this power, but he ain't do shit. And you're siding with, your, with the, the nigga you're supposed to be murdering over your girls who know that the nigga that you're siding with, his brother killed your sister, so they're, in, they're not in the wrong. I'd be upset too. I'd be taken aback. And if you're going to talk in the background, sweetheart, you got to be able to talk loud enough to get into the mic. Otherwise, I just sound like I'm talking to a ghost. So pull up a chair. Come up here. What? Like they don't know. Like he didn't know them like that. So what? So like how? If I kill, if 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 my brother killed your sister, if my brother killed your sister, would you marry me? If before I killed, before my brother killed your sister, you and I hadn't had sex yet. We had just had a moment in a, in a casino and then you found out my brother killed your sister and you were paid to kill off my entire family. Would you marry me? Would you tell your homegirls, you know what? He's got that dick me down dick. Y'all got to stop tripping. But at the time, if you had murder mama on your wrist. Is it? It is. Please enlighten me. How does this work? Well, I'm saying when all of this stuff was going on, she didn't know who he was. He had just found out who these people were. Okay. So he didn't even know any of this stuff was going on at the time when he met her. Yeah, but now she knows. She knows. So it's like she has empathy He didn't know. Like you, it's hard to hold somebody responsible for something when he was literally in the dark. Okay. So what you're telling me is that she's good for not wanting to kill Carter, but she still should pursue his brother and take out his family, right? Yeah. (laughs) I love you, baby. There's no more beef. It's squashed. The bounty probably ain't even good anymore, so you losing nothing. I'm out, Mia Moore yelled as she walked towards the door. She knew that she had taken it a little too far by accusing Robin of not caring for Anissa. That was a low blow, and she knew it wasn't entirely true, but her anger had spoken for her. Mia Moore was resentful because it was always herself and Anissa that acted as the leaders. 
Robin and Aries just followed suit, which meant they always played the back, while Mia Moore and her sister put themselves in harm's way. She wasn't trying to end up in the dirt anytime soon, so she was going to walk away, breathing. So that's it? You going to choose him over us after all we've been through? What do you want me to do, Robin? This is it. This shit is a wrap. Aries, if you want to take it the same way, you can. It is what it is. I love you guys. You're my sisters, but I'm in love with him, Aries. I didn't mean for it to happen, and I didn't want to give him my heart, but I did. Yes, his family's responsible for Anissa's death, but how many people have we brought the same fate? We have to take responsibility for the role we played in this. We all knew it was possible. We just got caught slipping. That's something that I'll regret for the rest of my life, but I won't make him pay for it. Mia Moore stormed out of the house with a heavy heart. She knew that Ares would eventually forgive her, but Robin would take it as a personal slap in the face. It was possible that their friendship may never be repaired, but it was a chance she was willing to take. Mia Moore walked into her home and heard her shower running. She was glad that Carter was still there. After the morning she'd had, she needed him to prove that he was still worth it. Well, that's unfair. I just fought my girls for you, nigga. Give me that dick! I need to make sure that you're worth it. That's, that's not cool. He don't even know what he's fucking for. He literally fucking for his life right now. It's like, dance for your life. But fucking, that's not fair. What if you can't catch the beat? Put on them strange ass songs with the that's good, but then you you know what? Never mind. I'm gonna say some shit that's gonna get y'all thinking. I don't know how to fuck. She walked into the bathroom. She pulled back the shower curtain and admired Carter's toned body as he washed himself. She stepped inside of the shower in her clothes and then held on to him tightly. That's dramatic. She hoped that he wouldn't make her regret her decision. She was taking a chance on him. I mean, I just said that's dramatic. Like, this whole thing hasn't just been. She was taking a chance on him. Trusting someone other than her immediate circle for the first time in her adult life. Hey, what's wrong? You're getting yourself soaked, ma. He whispered in protest, yet he never let her go. Mia Moore had no regrets. She knew that he was worth the risk. She could feel his love for her even in the way that he held her. Deep inside her heart, she knew that he would never hurt her. She just hoped and prayed that she could keep herself from hurting him. I could fucking kill her! Robin yelled as she paced back and forth for the 20th time, practically burning a hole in the floor. You're not gonna fucking kill her, Robin. Like, seriously, you've had like maybe six lines in this book. You're not going to kill Mia more. Like, let's just 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 read back in the book, Robin, and see that you're a bit character and realize that y'all should be really good friends. What's gotten into her? Aries asked. Love? She's killed so many people, me didn't even know she had a heart. Fuck this. I'm about to call this bitch because she is not about to just bail out on the plan. I don't care if I have to murder her little boyfriend myself. We're finishing this job. She could thank me later for getting rid of her distraction. Robin grabbed the cordless phone off the wall and dialed Mia Moore's number. The humming of a cell phone filled the room. Aries walked over to the couch and picked up Mia Moore's purse. She checked inside, retrieved the phone, and threw her hands up in exasperation. So much for that. She left she damn bag here. We have to get it together because I was dependent on the money from the bounty. She told y'all that there wasn't a bounty. Who do you think you're going to get the bounty from if Matisse on the run? And from what I read, Estes left that nigga penniless. Who you getting the bounty from? This ain't sponsored by no fucking paper towel company, so where the bounty coming from? I mean, they are the quicker picker-upper, but I don't think they taking care of this shit. A smirk came across Robin's face as she took Mia Moore's phone from Aries' hand. She flipped it open and searched her address book. What are you doing? Aries questioned. Find Matisse's number. If Mia Moore wants out, that's fine, but we're going to get this money. It doesn't matter to me if she with it or not. We don't need her. Robin located Matisse's number and pressed dial. 
she was determined to finish what they had started. By any means necessary, she was going to get paid and then get out of town. <sighs> Chapter 19 Why are you always acting like I don't matter to you? Breeze Breeze walked beside Zaire as they headed to the bodega where a black-owned bookstore was located. They had grown quite fond of each other. Zaire was the only person that Breeze really talked to. Everybody only took her at face value, but Zaire saw through her. He knew her and took the time to actually listen when she talked. Zaire slowly felt himself growing closer to Breeze. He didn't want to because he knew that it could possibly cause conflict between him and Carter. But the more time he spent with Breeze, the more important she became to him. They were together 24-7. Carter demanded that Zaire keep her safe, so they stayed side by side. At first, Zaire found her annoying and immature. But once he got to know her, he realized she was inexperienced in the aspect of the street because her family had kept her sheltered. She had never had to think about protecting herself because her fathers and brothers had always done it for her. Now it was Zaire's responsibility to ensure her safety. And it was a job he took very seriously. Partly because of his duty to Carter, but mostly because of his feelings for Breeze Diamond. I mean, they could have built her out before she found Zaire. They could have given her a chance to get to know the streets or something or to form some sort of a personality outside of her family. But instead, she went from these other men protecting her. Her dad, Mecca, Money, Carter to some extent. And moved her right on over to Zaire. Like this the storyline. Day in and day out they rocked with each other. Building a solid friendship. Even though they both knew they would take it to the next level. If and when the time was right. They agreed to keep their friendship under wraps. Until they could figure out a way to tell Carter. Since losing Monroe and sending Mecca away. Carter had been extra strict with and overprotective of Breeze. Zaire kept one hand near his waistline. The other wrapped around Breeze's shoulder as he leaned into her. Breeze whispered in his ear, You need to quit fronting, acting like you don't want me to be your girl. She kissed the side of Zaire's face lightly. Zaire smiled and rubbed his chin. Breeze wasn't as innocent as she looked, and he enjoyed her mystique. I told you, Ma. I like things like they are right now. We're cool as is. I'm not trying to disrespect my man Carter by coming at you. You're his baby sister. You already know how he feels about that. Breeze grabbed his hand that was draped around her and kissed it lightly. I don't care how Carter feels about us. And how do you know he'll trip? He'll probably be glad I'm messing around with you instead of one of these other dudes out here. I just know, alright? I know Carter. I can see it in his eyes when the niggas see us together. It wouldn't be a good look for us right now, he said seriously. You know how I feel about you, Ma, but unfortunately for us, it ain't in the cards. Bree stopped walking and put her hands on her model-thin waist. Zaire. Sup, B? Zaire stopped walking, preparing himself to be sucked in by her charm. Zaire was usually so focused on his money, but Breeze was a constant and pleasant distraction from his everyday grind. He was constantly molding her, transforming her from a shallow little rich girl to an intelligent young woman. The beauty had always been present, and if it was up to him, he would have definitely made her wifey. If only it was up to him. This 18-year-old kid, baby, is constantly building this 19-year-old kid into a promising young woman. He's taking her talents to South Beach. He's doing what he can to make her into a real person to build her out from being just preoccupied with clothes and money. And now she's preoccupied with black-owned bookstores and incense and Dr. Umar Johnson. I don't fucking know. Like, seriously, y'all gotta stop putting these ladies' lines and these ladies' lives in the hands of these men in these books. I fucking hated loving my wife and her sister too for the most part because of it, it was so absurd at parts but at least the women in that book 
except for, you know, the sister. They, they had their own lives. They were fucking them up, but at least they had their own lives and they weren't dictated or mandated by men. Is this something y'all think young black women do? They just sit around and wait to be chosen by a dude who's going to make them into a full-grown person? Because they tried to do it with Carter and, 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 and Mia Moore. And Mia Moore was like, I'm, I'm my own person because she's older. But Breeze is not. And so Zaire is able to shape her and mold her from a shallow little rich girl to an intelligent young woman. Y'all couldn't have said nothing about her sitting down and learning the business? From her daddy's side, from the time she was little to the time she grew up, if she's daddy's girl, you know what? I have two daughters, Gogo and Shamari. Shamari learned from me the ways of the world. I'm just kidding. Shamari had her own mind and she was always strong-willed from a very young age, like from a very young age, she was just like, fuck y'all niggas, I'm walking my own path. Seriously, fuck y'all niggas, I'm walking my own path. She didn't say fuck y'all niggas because she didn't know the construct of that phrase, but I'm goddamn certain that if she knew it at the age of nine, it would have been fuck y'all niggas, I'm walking my own path. And I was cool with that. I didn't like the, the push and pull of it all the time, but I was cool with her finding her own path as a person. There was nothing that made me happier than that. When, it, when it's all said and done. Because she is her own person. Gogo on the other hand. She was with me everywhere I went. She was literally the. Standby epitome of the definition of a, of a daddy's girl. And so by her being by me. Just by osmosis. You know what she likes to do when she's not doing anything else? She likes to fucking coach basketball. The girls never even played basketball because her daddy didn't play basketball in front of her, but he coached basketball. And so now she's an adult who's coaching kids in basketball or is coaching everybody in basketball because she's a fucking Virgo. But still, there's no way that Breeze couldn't have lived her life by this man all this time and not picked up something that made her a value. Rich people stay rich by teaching their rich kids how to stay rich when they're gone. That's how this works, right? So y'all are doing her a disservice by making her so fucking vapid to be filled up by somebody else who doesn't even know her. By making this girl an empty vessel to be filled up by the first nigga she meets is just bad. It is poor. Piss poor. Y'all are putting her entire life at the age of 19 into this kid. Which, yeah, I guess, looking at how my daughter ended up being with her boyfriend, you know, you do give yourself to the first person you fall in love with. You're just like, oh, they're my world and all. But at least my daughter knows how to do shit if shit falls apart. Shit's disappointing. Why are you always acting like I don't matter to you? Do you really just want us to be friends? That was one characteristic that Zaire couldn't change about her. She was spoiled through and through. He smiled and shook his head as he rubbed his fresh Caesar cut. Come on, B. You know you matter. Stop being like that, aight? I'm going to figure it out. But there's just too much going on right now. We don't need to put another problem on Carter's mind. Let's wait till things die down first, aight? Robin, Aries, and Matisse watched closely as they sat in the BMW with tinted windows, following the young couple's every move. They had been stalking Breeze for three days straight. They needed to know when and how she moved, so constant surveillance was necessary. Mia Moore left them on stuck when she decided to grow a conscience and play wifey to their enemy, but their murder mamas weren't having it. After contacting Mati, they decided to kidnap the weakest member of the Diamond family and hold her for ransom. Once the ransom was paid, they planned to kill Breeze in retaliation for Anissa's murder, and then they would leave town. They hoped by then that Mia Moore would have come to her senses. They had all been together for too long to break apart now. But with or without her, they were doing this so they could relocate to L.A. The West Coast was the only place they hadn't been yet. And they wanted to go someplace where their reputation didn't precede them. How the fuck we supposed to grab the bitch if the niggas always with she? Ari screwed the silencer on her 357 Magnum. 
I should blast he right now for being such a fucking punk, love a boy ass nigga. How are we supposed to catch she alone if he constantly with she? No, Matisse said. We will stay in the shadows until the time is right. And we will get her when they least expect it. Just continue to watch. Her routine is the same every day. They come to this same bookstore at the same time. He is her only barrier of protection, but we still have to be smart. We will get her soon enough. Mati leaned back in the plush leather seat. Soon enough. I can do it. Chapter 20. They're murder mamas. They're ruthless. Bitches will kill their own fucking mothers without thinking twice. Fabian. Who the fuck is Fabian? Okay. Me and Maura woke to the feel of Carter's lips on her neck. She smiled and adjusted her neck so she could kiss him. For three days straight, she had been laid up with Carter in his beachside condo. They had seen no one but each other, and being wrapped up in him kept her mind off her girls. She felt bad for switching up on him, but they didn't understand. They could never understand why she couldn't kill Carter. He was the only man who had gotten inside of her heart and made her give regard to human life. Mia Moore's body was exhausted from the sexual Olympics that Carter had taken her through. It's not really the Olympics. Like, you're not doing pole vaulting and then you start to work the horse. I mean, I can see how all these innuendos will work. But it's more like a sexual marathon. It's not the Olympics, though. Even though you were swimming in them guts. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> 2008, I could say shit like that. She was spent, but it was all worth it because she had pleased her man. Yeah. They stopped with the young Carter shit, but now they're doing this. And it's really pissing me off. I know my wife said it earlier, but I don't give a fuck. If you drop everything for your dude, you's a fucking goofy. I guess it's because it's FOE on mine. It always has been. But he murdered. He didn't murder nobody. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. His brother murdered somebody. And you had a contract. But I mean, what's a contract when you let niggas with no dick run down the street? I'm not going to let that go. And he's not going to let go of his dick. Like, the nigga probably bled out down the block, but at least we know. Like, we're not going to talk about this nigga at all. Wait, Fabian. Fabian was a nigga. Fabian was a nigga who got got his dick cut off. Chapter 10. Yep. Fabian. Okay. Now we getting somewhere. The murder mamas, they're ruthless. Bitches will kill their own fucking mothers without thinking twice. Fabian. Fabian probably gonna start talking to Carter. Okay, cool. What time is it, she asked, stretching her arms above her head. Three o'clock. Get up and put on some clothes. I'm taking you out tonight. No man had ever spoken to Mia more with such authority in her voice. And surprisingly, she respected Carter, doing anything he asked of her. Mia Moore rose, showered, and was dressed in Dolce in less than 20 minutes. As they drove through the busy streets, Mia Moore's fingers intertwined with Carter's. She was silent as she watched the city fly by in a blur. I need to contact Aries and make sure that they're straight. They've been my girls for too long for me to turn my back on them now. I could help them come up on some money with a different job, but I can't go through with this one. I have to get them to understand where I'm coming from. Mia Moore was so engrossed with her thoughts that she didn't see the detour the Carter had taken until the car was parked. She frowned as she looked up at the Mercy Mental Health Hospital. She looked at Carter in confusion. What are we doing here? I thought we were going to dinner. Nope, y'all going to see Mecca. Oh shit! Carter rubbed her head as if she were his child. The way he soothed her made her smile. <sighs> Don't worry about it, Ma. 
We're just making a quick stop. I just need to see somebody here. He explained as he opened the car door. He walked around to her side and opened the door for her. Come on. I don't know how long I'll be. And I don't want you sitting in the car twiddling your thumbs. Me and Moore got out of the car and followed him inside. When they entered, Carter signed in and then put his hand on the small of Mia Moore's back as he led her down a narrow hallway into a waiting room where patients were visiting with their family and friends. Mia Moore stopped walking when she saw who Carter was going to see. So this is where the fuck this nigga been hiding, she thought. She began to scratch the palm of her hand. Most people's hands itched when they were about to come into some money. But Mia Moore's hand itched when she was about to commit a murder. Actually, your hands don't itch when you're about to come into some money. That's a myth. Your hands itch when you don't put lotion on the motherfuckers. So. Like, lotion up your palms. People do the legs and shit, but they don't pay attention to the palms. You gotta get these shit supple. Supple. Let me go holler at my brother, Ma. Have a seat. I won't be long. Carter whispered and then pecked her quickly on the cheek. It took all of her self-control not to run up on Mecca, and she stared cruelly at her sister's killer. Carter snapped her out of her daze. Hey, you good? Me and Moore nodded and forced herself to look away. Yeah, I'm good. Go ahead. I'll be right over here. Carter approached Mecca and slapped hands with him. What's good, fam? Mecca eyed me and more. That's you? Carter laughed. That one's off limits, fam. How's everything with you? You good? You need anything? Nah, I'm good, bro. Have you heard anything from Estes? Mecca asked. I'm tired of hiding out in this motherfucker like a bitch. This shit in here is too calm, fam. I'm ready to come out busting at whoever's standing in the way. Carter shook his head. That wouldn't be smart, Mecca. You barely survived the first time. I know your record. You ain't got to prove shit to me, fam, but your grandfather is operating on an entirely different level. If he wants you touched, then you will be touched. Just give things some time to settle down. You talking with the therapist about money? Carter knew that Mecca didn't want to talk about Monroe's murder, but he was worried about his brother. He had noticed a change in Mecca after Money's demise and thought it would be wise if Mecca could get whatever was bothering him off his chest. Fuck these crackers, man. I'll never understand, Mecca replied. Fabian emerged from his room and into the visiting room. He was eager to see his mother. She had traveled from Virginia just to come and see her only son. He sauntered out of his room with his piss bag taped to his stomach. Walking past Mecca's table, he stopped mid-step and stared in shock at Mia Moore. His yellow skin turned pale white as if he had seen a ghost. Oh shit, man! Oh shit! He stated as he began to cry. He ducked down directly behind Mecca's chair. Carter noticed the strange man and frowned. Fuck is this crazy nigga behind your chair, fam? Mecca turned around and looked down at his crouching roommate. Fuck is you doing, nigga? Is there a problem? Please, man, please, man, just hide me. I don't want to die, man. Just please, just hide me, Fabian begged. Mecca and Carter looked around the room. There wasn't one person in the room that seemed to be paying attention to Fabian. They didn't know that Mia Moore, who was calmly sitting in the corner flipping through a magazine, had chopped off his most precious jewels. Carter shook his head from side to side and stood from the table. All of a sudden, being inside the hospital was becoming unbearable. These motherfuckers in here are loony as hell, he thought. Fabian was so deathly afraid of Mia Moore noticing him that he stayed crouched to the floor as if he were in the army and maneuvered his way back to his room. He even missed his visit with his mother because he was afraid that Mia Moore would see him. Mecca extended his hand and slapped hands with Carter. Stay sane, this motherfucker, fam. Call me if you need anything, and be careful. S has got eyes everywhere, know what I mean? 
Yeah, I hear you. Be easy, Duke. Mecca pulled up his sagging pants and strolled back into his room, where his roommate was hiding out. He looked at the nigga in disgust. He had never even held one conversation with the man. Mecca wasn't in the hospital to make friends. He simply needed to lay low for a while, so conversing and entertaining niggas that weren't on his level was pointless. He knew that. Once they found out who he was, they would try to get on and hassle him about being down with the cartel. See, that 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 he knew that had a comma after it that didn't need to have a comma. And that's why I paused. He knew that once they found out who he was, they would try and get on and would hassle him about being down with the cartel. Is that bitch still out there? Fabian asked. What the fuck? You running from a chick? Mecca asked. What? The bitch trying to stick you with child support or something? Mecca laughed at the sight of the grown man crying before him. Fabian shuffled to their bedroom and peeked outside in the hallway. Once he saw the coast was clear, he closed the door. It's not just any chick, Fabian explained. She's a murder mama. Say what? Mecca had never heard of the group, so he wasn't impressed. Watch this shit here. Fabian went underneath his bed and pulled out a box. Inside of it were newspaper clippings and one photo of the four girls together. Man, I'm not in here because I'm crazy. I'm hiding from these bitches called the Murder Mamas. They some killers, family. Some bitches? Fabian nodded as his eyes continued to roam nervously. Yeah, nigga. I'm telling you that that bitch was here to finish me off. Look, man. Fabian unzipped his pants and pulled them down, revealing his chopped off genitals. God damn it. Mecca turned his head and frowned. Whoa, fam. Pull up your fucking pants, yo. You bullshitting on that faggoty shit, motherfucker. I ain't on the homo shit, fam. That's done. Now I can get back to my regular voice. Just look at my dick, nigga. These bitches did this to me, Fabian stated. That bitch that was here with your visitor chopped me up. Damn. I guess she should have let Robin do it. Mecca looked at Fabian in shock. With my visitor? Yeah, man. How'd that bitch find me? She did that to you? Yeah, man. Her and these two bitches, the murder mamas. They ruthless. Bitches will kill their own fucking mothers without thinking twice. Panic-stricken, Fabian began throwing a little clothing he owned in a plastic garbage bag. Stop bullshitting, nigga. Fabian shoved the pictures in Mecca's hands. Look, nigga, that's a news article on him. They almost got caught up in some bullshit in New York. Needless to say, somebody produced some big money and made the case disappear. Bet you $500 that in this picture that they somehow have it of murder mamas in New York because they somehow have a picture of this motherfucker. I already know it. Anissa's going to be in the picture. And he's going to look at her and recognize her. I already know it. Let's go. Mecca's nostrils flared when he stared at the news photo. He saw four girls. Mia Moore, his brother's new chick, two girls he didn't recognize, and Anissa, the girl he had killed in the hotel room. He knew that Mattia tried to have him hit that night and sent the girl at him. He put two and two together, and he knew that Mia Moore had to have been sent by Mattia to get at Carter. I'm going to just let that sit for a second. Literally, it's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. <laughs> that music y'all hear in the background, that's my wife's laughter, and I'll be a million fools to hear it. Who they work for, Mecca asked to confirm his suspicions. Nigga, anybody who can afford their services. I heard that this boss nigga from St. Louis paid them to do a job against some hustler he was beefing with. They fucked around and killed that same nigga two months later because somebody put that cake up to have it done. They don't have no loyalty, man. Anything is game. You see what they did with a nigga's love stick, man. I gotta get the fuck up out of here. 
Fabian peeked out in the hall once more and then rushed out of the room. Okay, okay. So the glee and all that magic of this moment is past. And now I'm like, nigga, for real? What are the fucking chances that not one but two niggas will both be joking like they insane to be in a mental health facility for their own public safety and so they can't be found by somebody who's trying to kill them? And what are the chances that them two same niggas will be in the same goddamn room? Seriously. And then on top of all that, what are the chances that these two niggas, I, I'm just doing that voice now, it's a thing. What? are the chances that these two niggas who don't know nothing about each other can both be pursued by the same group and don't know it. And this nigga's literally in this chapter long enough to tell this nigga that nigga's girl is trying to kill me and is going to try and kill him too to get the funk started before this nigga run off and we probably will never see Fabian again. That is what you call deuce ex machina, my nigga. That is way too far gone by the way i was gonna ask siri and, and google about do sex machina but my beloved wife nisha who again my co-host on the show has a thought and the thought is literally one of the biggest problems that i have with black writing or with urban fiction nah with this book we'll just say this book go ahead boo so as i was saying i'm gonna be very upset and really disgruntled with this author if he decides to have Mecca expose Mia Moore to her brother, to his brother, and then he flips the script on her like, oh, now you a bitch. You was plotting against me the whole time. Like, you knew who I was and all of this shit. And it was like, he better give her a chance. And he really better see, like, dude, I'm sincere. Like, I could have got at you a long time ago. Like, I could have deaded you from the beginning because she knew who he was. And she chose not to say anything. She chose to betray her girls over this dude. But if that doesn't come out that way, it's a problem. But you are The only other thing I can see is he's going to have to take out Mecca over her. It's only two ways about it. Either their relationship ends and he sides with his brothers, which she chose not to do, or he's going to choose her and have to go to war with his family. The way I see it is that this book has already shown us that the women are designed to put the men on a much higher pedestal than the men place the women. So... I would not be surprised if in the next few seconds Mecca calls Carter and lets him know, calls him on the cell phone and he stares at her all the way back to their, uh, to her place and just sees her in a different light. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, they supposed to be on their way to dinner. Well, I mean, if they so, go to dinner, if they dinner blow up, which is going to have to, because his brother is, is definitely not going to hold this in. Mm hmm. And either he's going to get at him straight away or he going to pull him to the side and let him know. But, yeah, I'm sure that he's about to to find out. And it wouldn't also I wouldn't be surprised to find out that in the midst of Mecca calling Carter and letting him know about, you know, me and more. They just happen. To run into. Uh, Breeze and Zaire as they're about to get rode on by the murder mamas and Mati. Right. So it's going to be one of those two things where I was thinking, okay, is something going to happen to Bree? And then it's going to look like it's a setup. You over here distracting me while, while your is... homegirls is over here working with Mati to get at my sister. Mm -hmm. So however it works, she's gonna look like she was in on it mm -hmm. this whole time and that's the funky part she gave up everything she had for this nigga and this one little thing's about to fall apart and again okay google what's deuce ex machina here's the definition of deus ex machina an unexpected power or event saving a seemingly hopeless situation especially as a contrived plot device in a play or novel that's what this is. And that's shitty.
That is shitty. Had um went into the mental health facility. It was already in my mind like, okay, this is gonna be a setup because she's gonna be caught in the middle because they decided to move and continue to plan without her, even though she told them, like, look, like, let's dead this. Yeah, they felt she was being disloyal, and she's like, I'm going to still help y'all, but they don't care. they like, nah, you turned your back on us. Also, also, the, the, I want you to see the juxtaposition between what's happening right here. She goes into the mental health facility with Carter. Mia Moore sees the nigga that killed her sister. And decides within herself to just let it go. Because I'm with Carter now. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a breathe. I'm going to let him do what he need to do. She could have killed him right there. She could have. And it would have been over with. But she chose not to. She's looking at her sister's killer. And you're going to be like, bitch, you set me up and all this kind of stuff. Nigga, I was really here to kill your brother and I didn't kill him. Like, why are you at me like this? So this whole thing's going to end in fuckery because that's how it works. Hold on. I got three minutes left in this chapter. Mecca's head was spinning. If it was under any other circumstances, he would have fucked me and more. The fact that she had the balls to cut a nigga's dick off amused him. He had never seen any shit like that in real life, only in the movies. Carter couldn't have known that this chick was affiliated with Mati. From what Mecca knew, me and Moore have been fucking with Carter for a little while now, so he silently wondered why she hadn't made her move yet. He didn't want to jump to conclusions. He needed to get out and back on the street so he could keep a watchful eye over his brother's new girlfriend and find out more information, but he knew that if he left any time soon, then Estes would put the dogs on his heels. Mecca decided that he would fix his problem with his grandfather first. And as soon as it was safe, he would find out more about the murder mamas. Before it was too late. You telling me this nigga got a literal... He gonna be sensible now? This nigga got a literal... Clip book... Of the murder mamas... From... St. Louis to New York. Got pictures of her. A whole book. This is this is prior to the internet. Did this nigga go to the to the library and go in there with you you remember that old thing where you'd have to put the newspaper clippings underneath like that, that machine can't to to see it come up and shit like that. Did he do that and then make copies of these these newspaper clippings? Like, did he research this? Where the fuck did Fabian come from? Before he was in jail, was he a fucking histographer? I don't know if that's the word. A person who studies history? Like, what is this? Where did this dude come from with this? This is all, like I said, this is this is weak. This is some weak-ass sauce. But it's about to turn into a fucking lovely spaghetti. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Uh, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Um, you can leave a review on Podchaser. Uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Stitcher. Just let me know where you left it at. Um, you can... Join our Patreon at patreon.com backslash single simulcast. You can help us buy books at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. If you go to our link tree and click on the RBC books, that is literally the link to each and every book that we've read so far. So if you want to buy the book so you can read along, go for it. If you buy it there, it'll help us have money to be able to buy more books. I want to thank my special guest, Nisha, for being on. Um, she's one of the four chambers of my heart. Well, five chambers of my heart. How many chambers are there in your heart, nurse? There's four. Yeah, but I mean, it's you and our four kids. The five chambers of my heart. It's, it's metaphorical. I can't do shit without her, y'all.
And as you see, she makes everything better. I'll holler at y'all later. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all be good. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name,